Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling, 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 every and joining me today is Rusty Buckets. How are you, Rusty? I'm all right. <laughs> that's that's all right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy, where you can tell me I clearly don't know basketball. And also, be sure to check out the link in the description to share your opinions on basketball in the Bucket Discord server. I didn't want to plug my channel, but can I plug my Twitter? Of course, you can definitely plug your Twitter. Because a lot of people... Too many people are not following me on Twitter from my channel, so it's just Rocky, Rocky, Rusty Buckets three two one Buckets is all capital. So you've been on the YouTube for a couple of years now, right? Making basketball videos. Uh, almost. Well, I guess this would be my third year that I started. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, it all began with um, why Kawhi Leonard is a. Uh, a player we've never seen before. That's the title of your your first, or at least your oldest, uh, viewable video on your channel. Tell me, was that the first video you ever uploaded to YouTube? No, it was not. The reason that I started YouTube was um, a funky diabetic. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, yeah, definitely. He's he was. I've really got into uh, his channel uh, back when he had like three thousand subscribers. And he did uh, my GM series, and I freaking loved them. And I basically tried to recreate a my GM in like in basically his exact style for the Chicago Bulls, where the Bulls trade for Demarcus Cousins. And I got thirteen episodes in, and I realized the series was garbage, and I deleted all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um. Did the Kawhi Leonard video immediately follow, or did you uh, take some time off of YouTube? Uh, right. No, no, no. Right about the time that Funky started expanding outside of just my GM videos and started talking about NBA general stuff, I was like, all right, I'm just going to be a direct copy of this guy and do the same exact thing. And uh, I'm going to talk about Kawhi Leonard because I wanted to talk about Kawhi Leonard. And I get comments all the time that say I am a funky ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen you um you hearted or like super liked, whatever you want to call it, the a few comments like that on some of your older videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing some research for the for the interview here. Uh did that video just blow up immediately to get the thousands of views that it has, or is no, it just like a slow growth along with your channel? I had a video uh called Why Christos Porzingis could be better than Dirk. And I don't know if I stand by that anymore, but I also wouldn't say it's insane to think that, possibly. Uh, but that video hit 3K views, and obviously as a channel with 20 subscribers, that was had me going nuts. And then uh, a week after that, that Kawhi video, I literally woke up with it. It had 200 views, and I woke up the next day with it having 16,000. And then it's pretty much grew slightly from there to the point where it has like I think it has thirty something thousand views or close to it. Yeah, if I um, it was thirty thousand or 
or maybe even fifty thousand. For some reason, I'm picturing fifty thousand. I think maybe last time I saw it, but it's not like I'm scrolling down my channel to see what my first video's views look like. (laughs) Right. No. Uh, If if you're listening to this and thinking about watching that video, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've seen you comment on a lot of your older videos saying they're. They're not very good, but I, I disagree. I think there's a lot of merit to them, honestly. That was back when I had like a couple hundred subscribers, and I was trying to make sure that anyone who watched my video subscribed. So I was like, this is garbage. Please don't judge me by this and watch my other videos. Basically trying to deflect them from that so that they would actually be interested in subscribing. Also, anytime I got a comment, I'd be like, thanks for the comment. Can you subscribe, please? I'm desperate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what you got to do. You got to. Now, now gotta do I don't give, bit. I don't give a fuck at all if people subscribe to me or not. Like, well, I mean, I do, but like if someone comments because they disagree with me, they're like unsub. I'm like, all right, bye. I don't give a shit, but, yeah, <laughs> which is, gotta... which is, which is liberating. <laughs> yeah. You got to be a kind of laissez-faire and how you treat your uh, subscribers sometimes when um when they are so bold to be like you know what i i'm just gonna not even support what annoys me what annoys me is when is when they support every opinion you have and then as soon as you disagree with them you act like you insulted their family like i got a comment like that on my brad stevens video i had a guy who is supporting the channel forever and he goes i cannot believe you would say that Brad Stevens is slightly overrated. You are the worst person in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fans are nuts most of the time. But I think it I think it really uh, comes to show that a lot of viewers that come to YouTube and podcasts and everywhere else in sports media are often looking to come and borrow opinions. So if they don't plainly agree with you then they're not going to watch you anymore because people they, like you know, having their their opinions reinforced they don't like having people disagree with them and you know right, i'm completely sure. guilty of that on the political side but basketball i like to see other point of views see i feel like it's one thing to have certain convictions about something as serious as a s- certain specific political points of view, right? Like, if you have conviction about that, then it makes sense to believe that the other side is just plain wrong. But when you're talking about basketball, it's subjective. It's something that's just pure entertainment, right? It's like art. There's no pure right or wrong to it. Like, that's sort of what we got into when I was talking to Emio in the Storyteller interview, is that a lot of people seem to want to be right all the time when they're arguing including their sports feelings and so when you can outsource that it's easy i mean i'm pretty i'm i can't exactly have a high horse here because i'm pretty much in the same regard i like being right uh i almost thought i didn't tweet this but like i i almost tweeted like i don't love making videos about basketball as much because i love basketball as much as i like arguing and about being right (laughs) which is fine i mean you can use the game of basketball at its will and the basketball's gods themselves they won't care they're they're loving gods i like to think the basketball gods uh tell me your uh your next video was a a what if uh hypothetical history type of video not your next video exactly but the next video to do fairly well on the channel it was a what if chris paul was traded to the lakers um you then found more success with other what if videos and uh can you tell me a little bit about 
the process of composing a hypothetical NBA history? There's a reason there has not been a what if on the channel in a long time, despite the fact that I get asked nearly every damn day to do one again, is because they're a nightmare <laughs> to make. Uh, Mike Corzemba touched on this, I believe, talking on Twitter or something like that. Maybe he even mentioned it in a video of his. But the thing about what ifs is they're so fun in your head and then you write the script and it's still fun. And then you record it and then you start recording the clips in 2K and it's still kind of fun. And then you realize you have to make a shit ton of graphics for the draft and stuff like that. Or if you want to be even more fancy and add other graphics, which I decided to do, which was dumb, uh, even though it made the video better, videos better. But um, uh, they get tedious and it gets to a point where you're just like, I have to power through this. And as a content creator, if you make stuff that you don't enjoy, even if you enjoyed it at the start, it's going to come across and the video is going to suffer for it. And it's not going to do as it's not going to be as good as it could be. Um, as for the process, after I just bummed everybody out, the process, uh, a lot of people ask me, like, do I sim stuff? Like, Mike Corzemba, who is the godfather of, obviously, What Ifs and also NBA YouTube. For What Ifs, my process is I just think about it. Mike Corzemba does this thing where he has this website. I haven't looked what it is, but he, like, simulates like history by changing things or something like that. And then he makes a video off of that and maybe he changes things here or there. I just wing it. I just, I honestly go with what is most fun to me. What would be the most interesting. I, those videos are more about entertainment than any other type of video that I make. And most of the ones in the past, I regret a lot of the decisions that I put in there. Like the what if LeBron went to college one, I had the Orlando Magic become the most stacked team of all time. I believe at one <laughs> I believe at one point their starting lineup was Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Chris Bosch, and Marcus Gasol. Uh I I made a super team. It was ridiculous. But um Everyone would say Orlando ruined the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, in that scenario, he gets drafted in 2004 instead of 2003. The Orlando Magic have the first pick and they make the obvious choice. Um, but then uh, I did one that I was way too biased to do because I did what if Kobe uh, was traded to the Bulls because that almost happened in 2007. Uh, and... I Kobe is my favorite player of all time and I'm a Bulls fan so I was too biased in two different directions at the same time so I ended up having them win five championships in like seven years <laughs> even though it was Jesus. just Kobe and Lou Aldang and eventually Chris Paul because of course I gave them Chris Paul I was just too <laughs> biased the um, what if the Portland Trailblazers or no, what if Brandon Roy and Greg Monroe didn't get injured? That one I think is my best work and my most objective one. And coincidentally, it's also my least viewed one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that's usually how it goes on YouTube. You know, you you put in work to a masterpiece, and oh yeah, people just don't show up for some reason because you, your SEO wasn't good enough. You couldn't clickbait well enough. Thumbnail wasn't pretty enough. Something. That's what I'm terrified of with the Goatman Terry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you uh, go ahead and tell me a little bit about the Goatman Terry? Well. I've pretty much explained this on Twitter, but if any of my subscribers are coming over and they don't follow me on Twitter, which they should at RustyBuckets321, um, if they don't follow me on Twitter, they wouldn't know that the Goatmentary is basically a documentary, which I almost feel pretentious saying documentary because I'm just some guy, but a documentary on the goat debate. Not on who is the goat, but the actual debate. Like, how people talk about greatness, what defines greatness. Um, And I talk about nine different players in the video who I consider to be the most talked about guys for goat. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to look at that list and see... Uh, Kobe and Tim Duncan who are two of them and be like what the hell uh and they're yeah. probably going to call they're probably going to call me biased for putting Kobe in there however in my video that was in defense of Kobe's legacy I said that LeBron James is better than Kobe and all of the comments was Kobe stands coming from me saying he's a top 2 player of all time so clearly regardless of my opinion Many people have Kobe as one of the greatest players of all time, or even the right. GOAT. So, regardless of if you agree with that or not, I'm getting defensive already. Uh, regardless if you agree with that, uh, he should be on that list. So, of all the candidates, uh, there's Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Ma- uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and LeBron James. Uh, so... I do a brief recap of their careers, then give each of their individual cases for GOAT, and then at the end of the video, I talk about the debate, and then I compare some numbers and achievements, all that jazz, to list out, well, this is all of their resumes, and at the end of the video, it's basically a giant middle finger where I don't give my opinion, and I just say, well, you tell me who the greatest player of all time is, and then that's the end of the video. <laughs> oh no, that's um, that might be a uh, a metaphorical middle finger to some, but I strongly disagree. I love that sort of ending because it turns the responsibility on the viewer. You know, yeah, like, it's what like is, what Philip what DeFranco does, who apparently you and Emio hate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't hate him yet. I'm still. I'm still working on it. I like the guy. I might be the only one, but I like the guy. He seems nice. I just always have, like, the nine-year-old clickbaity, like, hot girl thumbnail videos come up on my recommended. And it's like, you watch a hell of a lot of Philip DeFranco. Why don't you watch these other older Philip DeFranco videos? I was like, well, no, he's told me that those are bad in the past, and I want to keep not hating him. So I'll just not go look at those. All right, that was kind of off topic. (laughs) As... As for uh, how far I am on the Goatman Terry, uh, I made the mistake of giving myself a ridiculous deadline. Uh, I, I got the idea at the start of last summer. 
and I gave myself a deadline at the end of last summer, and uh, it's been, what, six months since the end of summer? So I'm a little bit off, uh, and I'm only about halfway done, so I'm pretty far off. But I believe I should be able, I'm not setting it as a deadline, because clearly that was a mistake. But I believe I should be able to get it out by the start of this summer. It's just very tedious. And really the main inspiration for wanting to do a documentary is has been the NBA Storyteller. Because, you know, I always do these videos on current day topics. Maybe I dive into history here or there. But I'm always making these argumentative videos where I'm talking about Blah, 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 listen to why I'm right and you're wrong. Uh, and then I, I kind of got tired of doing those videos. Um, and with the Goatman Terry, I kind of wanted to just make a high quality product and put my heart and soul into it. And that's kind of what I did. Uh, did you watch my uh, Derek Rose uh, mini documentary video? I did not actually add. Wow, you're a terrible person. Um, I know. <laughs> no. Uh, but the Goatman Terry is basically going to be like that for the career recaps. I just, I had been doing, like I had just finished the Kobe and LeBron recaps. And mm-hmm. I was like feeling like very, I was enjoying talking about players' careers. And Derek Rose had just had his, you know, 50 point game. And I was like, I want to talk about Derrick Rose. I don't have a reason to, but I'm really feeling this documentary style vibe. So why not just make a mini documentary on Derrick Rose? And while the video didn't get that many views, only like 16,000, um, the comments, all of them were just like, this is a great video. And I think I got like six, I th- no, I think it's like 13 now dislikes on the video which for a video with 16,000 views that is an amazing ratio not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to brag that's just that's just what happened oh no No, (laughs) Uh, no, stroke your ego a little more why don't you no 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 you are for real honestly it's a it's a a noteworthy accomplishment sorry I didn't watch it I'll definitely do it first thing when we get off this call I think it's the best (laughs) video on my channel but I don't think it's the best video I've ever made but the best video I've ever made obviously can't be uploaded yet because it's only halfway done. And uh, by halfway done, I mean there's already an hour done. It's a long-ass video. It's going to be two hours. You ever consider uh, serializing it, like doing multiple parts? Like, I'm, as, I'm as breaking it down into four parts, but I don't want to upload part one and then upload part two in six months. Right, right. <laughs> by the time that, by then, everybody's going to have, have forgotten about it. So I just want to get the whole thing done. And then I'm going to release it in four parts, uh, one basically just once every day for four days. And then um, before the video comes out, I'm releasing a bunch of mixes, which are incorporated into the videos. Like for the introduction to each player, I did a little mini mix, which were fun to make. And I'm just going to release those and then give the release date to the videos uh, as a way to promote it for... People who haven't seen it, I'm not even going to put Goatman Terry in the title. I'm just going to say, you know, like, this is a Kobe Bryant mix. 
And then people mm-hmm. who come over to the mix are going to, at the end of it, see an advertisement for the Goatmentary. So hopefully right. that uh, that works out. Yeah, that's a really good marketing strategy. One that I um, yeah. I definitely support. It's a, It sounds like you're really hitting your creative stride right now, honestly. Just like a, your mentality, judging from what I'm hearing at least. Sounds like you're in a, in a good creative zone. Would you agree? Uh, no, I haven't worked on it in like a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said earlier with the what ifs, uh, when you're burnt out on a topic and you keep working on it, it's not going to succeed. And that's what happened. That's what was happening with the Goatmentary, where I did Bill Russell's and Will Chamberlain's part. And then I got tired of it. And I was like, I should push through this. But I was like, no, it's not going to be good if I push through it. So I took a long break, got back into it, got tired of it, took a long break, got back into it. Uh, I have did a little bit of work on it in the past few months, but not crazy. Uh, more like the past month. I don't, that makes me sound lazy. Um, <laughs> I've just been, you know, maintaining the channel with uploads, obviously, has to happen. And then also, if I get bored of the topic, I don't want to keep pushing through it. So, Right, so your creative process basically hinges on just following the inspiration where it takes you. A lot of, a lot of freedom well, with that. With regular videos, I'm not going to get bored of the topic because I only have to make it once. And I have to, you know, make a 10 minute video. This I'm making two hours worth of content. So. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, I suppose it's a little bit less formulaic in nature just because you've been sort of babying it all this time. So a little bit more uh, artistic nature to it than just your routine upload, right? Uh, Yes, I would say it's formulaic while also being uh, more of an artistic nature to it because I... I know what beats to hit now. What's interesting about the video is some of the work was done over a year ago. And you can kind of see the contrast of, you know, how good I was at making videos a year ago versus how good I am now. And Mm -hmm. I went back and edited the old stuff a bunch to make it look, you know, look more like it's the same video. But... You know, it's definitely noticeable, and in the raw product of the first two parts, which were Bill Russell and Will Chamberlain, it looked completely different, but I was able to, you know, almost restore it to a more new-looking type of vibe, I guess. Right. I imagine, um, whether you're willing to admit it or not, you're probably going to do a couple uh, overall editing pass-throughs between now and then, just judging by... How much it sounds like you? Uh, really uh, I completely, I I completely threw out the Michael Jordan part because I did that while I was on a low point and I pushed myself to do it when I didn't want to. And to put it into perspective, LeBron James's career recap was 15 minutes. Kobe's was 12 minutes. Magic Johnson's was 11 minutes. Bill Russell's was 11 minutes. Will Chamberlain's was 13 minutes. Jordan's was seven and a half minutes. And Michael Jeffrey Jordan deserves more than seven and a half minutes. And I, I went back and looked at the product and I was like, this is not even close to what is my best. So I threw it out. And it took me like two weeks to make that seven and a half minutes. But I'm not going to you know, put garbage in, especially on a candidate that I 
well, I guess this is kind of biased, but I care like about giving Jordan a great representation just because he's a player that I'm actually more interested in. Like, no offense to Bill Russell, but doing his part was a snooze fest. I have been avoiding <laughs> Tim Duncan for the same reason, but it has to happen. <laughs> yeah, I can just picture, like, really clumsy background music playing the whole time during Tim, Tim Duncan's segment with him just, like, I'm trying. Smiling to, that's the these... thing. <laughs> I was trying so hard. I'm trying. The, the thing that I'm enjoying with the Goatmentary so much is music and how it can affect mood and using it in a way that you know improves the video and is not just well we need background music so here's background music even though i love background music in my the, the background music that i use in my main video i don't think it is any more than a slight compliment whereas music in the goatmentary is used as a way to make the video feel more like a documentary and kind of fit the theme and with the mixes i had to choose songs that i felt um thematically fit with the player they were about like with um lebron his mix is my favorite mix that i've ever made and all of that is about power the song it like it punches you in the chest just like he does with his dunks when he barrels through the lane like a freight train and for magic johnson i have this really fast paced almost like action movie type music playing where you know it's a slow build-up where it's just like clips of magic doing hook shots and you know just basic phantom cam footage but as soon as there's like a drop and it's a black screen, and then it picks up and shows him doing crazy shit on the fast break when the music is crazy fast-paced, and I love it. With Tim Duncan, I really struggled, because I'm like, what the hell is the theme of Tim Duncan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can just put just, like, just, some, uh, just an, some Nat Geo tunes behind the... I was like, the just the old dude on his old dude on his porch strumming at a banjo, like, that's all I got. <laughs> but I eventually went with uh, this um like orchestra type music uh where there's like a violin but it's also there are parts of it that are fast paced and kind of intense where uh there's i love with big men i did this with wilt chamberlain as well when there's a bunch of heavy drum beats like just a boom and i love timing that with a dunk and i did that a million times with this tim duncan mix which I don't know why I just talked about it that much, but I was excited to find a song that actually fit the theme. For um, for Bill Russell, I also struggled with that. Are you... Uh, shit. Uh, what's the name of the song? Uh, Hurt by Johnny Cash. I know it isn't originally by Johnny Cash, but his cover of it. Have you heard that song? Yeah, yeah. That sounds um, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, it's not the song because I didn't want to get copyrighted. Naturally. But it was it was a cover of it on acoustic with no actual singing. And then I distorted the acoustic just to make sure it didn't sound like it, it make sure it also wouldn't get copyrighted. Mm -hmm. uh, but it sounds good for, you know, Bill Russell. Yeah, that's that's uh, the creative freedom you have. You know, you're allowed to do that. Um, I'm having I love having fun with videos and I have fun with this one. But, you know, when I do it too much then it no longer becomes fun. So I want to make sure I keep it that way. 
That's that's good. That sounds like a a good a good method. What do you um? I feel like 2019 is the year of creator burnout. I I feel like I might have heard that somewhere else. Um, uh, it sounds like you have a lot of mixed feelings about the idea about burnout. What do you what what are, what are your feelings about burnout? 2019 was not originally going to be the year of burnout for me until I got a camera for Christmas and I've been doing face cam videos. And the great thing about face cam videos is I'm able to um, get a lot more videos out because the editing job gets done in half the time. So as far as video editing and freaking cutting audio clips, which I hate, um, which I guess I still have to do that, but I just wanted to point out that I hate that. Um, half the video is just my dumb face on camera, so I don't have to edit that shit because it's and just your half. I, yes, I'm gonna make that a staple. Uh, Emio literally recommended that to me. He was like, "You need to make yourself known for the jean jacket." <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I saw the exchange on Twitter. That's why I bring it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be the like, meme of the channel, in your words. I'm that. not going to wear it in every video, but I will wear it. I've worn it like three times now. It's a damn good jacket. Um, <laughs> which is Just funny. So. I, didn't, I didn't tweet about this, and I don't know why. I have been recognized twice in my life as a YouTuber. One time wasn't because the guy recognized me. It's because he he was sitting next to me in my uh, history class, and he saw my desktop, and I had a bunch of thumbnails, and then I had the Goatmentary video on my desktop, and he read it, and it said Goatmentary. He's like, holy shit, I'm sitting next to Rusty Buckets. <laughs> but then, but then um, like two weeks ago, I wear this denim jacket all the time because I love this jacket. Two weeks ago, I'm walking on campus, and a guy stops me, and he goes, um, sorry if this is a weird question, but are you Rusty Buckets? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I probably wouldn't have recognized you, but I saw that denim jacket, and I knew that was you. So <laughs> I got recognized, not because of my face. I mean, that helped, but the denim jacket is what sealed the deal for him to be like, that's fucking Rusty Buckets. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, let me ask you this. Do you uh, still stand by the uh, all-star max per team rule that you proposed half a year ago, where certain teams have certain restrictions on the number of all-stars that they can sign based on the number of all-stars on their roster and, and other things? Like, I, I get the general idea, but do you still stand by the exact proposition you made uh, six or seven months ago? Uh, that, that video completely blew up my channel, but um, do I still stand by it? I go back and forth, like, sometimes I'm like, that's kind of unreasonable, you shouldn't be put a cap on how good a team can get, and then I watch DeMarcus Cousins dunk all over somebody, and I'm like, man, fuck this, <laughs> <laughs> just, I can't, I can't give you a for sure answer there, because I go back and forth, uh, given a chance to redo that video in a different way, I definitely would. I might have called DeMarcus Cousins a pussy a little bit too much in that video. <laughs> um, I was angry. I was coming back from get eating dinner with a friend, and he was dropping me off. 
and I just looked at my phone and saw Woj tweet, DeMarcus Cousins has signed with the Warriors for one year, $5 million. And I literally screamed, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) We almost got into a car accident because I startled him so much. And I got home and I worked for 14 straight hours to get that video out. Damn, that's quite the shift. But I don't know if I stand by anymore. But that has that video gave me a perspective on how to make an effective uh, NBA video that will get views in a part of YouTube that is growing substantially. Uh, I think the best angle to put on it is, you know, get your own creative angle on a relevant topic. Yeah, it's all about. So, SEO. like, I always get asked. I always get asked, like, oh, are you going to talk about the trade deadline like every other NBA YouTuber does? No. They're like, can you make a video on the Jimmy Butler trade again? Uh, no, because I don't have a unique angle on it. Dude got traded. That's cool. Like, I can't... <laughs> I, can't I don't want to crank out the same generic video that every NBA YouTuber makes, and I'm not throwing shots. I'm just saying... A lot of those guys have more subs so they can afford to put out a video that's maybe not going to get crazy traction. But I feel like with every video that I put out, I'm trying to shoot for the stars with it just because I'm trying, you know, I'm uh, at the point where I'm hustling, no pun intended, to try and get this channel to a point where it can be a career for me because college is a nightmare. Um, so I can definitely <laughs> agree college is a nightmare for yeah, so every video that I'm putting out, you know, my goal is for it to blow up, and then I get a mini depression that it didn't blow up, and then I get back on track. That's the cycle. That's how you get hooked in. That's how you get addicted to, to the yeah. creative process. Basically, my video making process is it takes me three days, three to four days to make a video, then I upload, then I take a day of depression, and then I get back on to making a video for three to four days. It's just like any other regular day job. <laughs> oh, the job comes with less depression than most day jobs so I can't complain <laughs> I mean I make enough money for a college student who lives with his parents so <laughs> I could actually be making what seems like a lot more money but for whatever reason I decided to buy a car that was $10,000 <sighs> you. so I have a $200 a month car bill which is fine now because YouTube I make enough money to pay that but um you know in a few years that might look uh bad but um because two hundred dollars is a lot if you don't have a high paying job yeah you ain't gotta but if it's the if it's the (laughs) if if it's the only bill that you have then you can live with it um ironically right after i bought that car i had my worst month on youtube since getting a decent following and i only made five hundred dollars and 25% of that goes to tax. So I was very much panicking because I had a $200 car payment and I had like 50 bucks to spend for an entire month. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes sometimes, man. You, you make the big ball of perfect timing. Money, perfect timing. And it all goes timing. away. It's a very volatile industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I made $10,000 last year. That's not really big baller YouTube money. Well, that's That's... <laughs> That's big baller brand, if you ask me. We need to call up LeVar, tell him that we're almost over let's, the poverty line. 
so uh, I'm over the poverty line. Look at me, bitches. <laughs> so uh, t- tell me this. Uh, another thing that I've noticed in an older video of yours that I want to know if you still stand by. It's really just a just a. I hate my older videos. Why do you keep bringing <laughs> Because them it's fun. <laughs> and I want to make you as uncomfortable as possible. That's the goal. This is You're doing the airing. same thing you did with Emio, where you brought up the Kobe Flinch thing, and he got all emotional right, again. Right, right. <laughs> the man just got over I'm it. Trying to I have emotionally it. made it past my old videos, and you're bringing me back. I'm just, I'm trying to harm you as much as I can. I hope you don't. All right, what, what were you going to destroy it, me it's with, hardly a, a destruction but do you um sincerely believe that fellow takesmen like uh skip bayless and nick wright and colin cowherd you know that that angle of sports media uh what i would call the the pure contrarians would you say that you believe that they believe a hundred percent of the words that they're saying a hundred percent of the time or do you think that they're at least some percent full of shit I think they believe 0% of the words that they say 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. I mean, my whole NBA media video was shit-talking them for a reason. These guys make hot takes for the sake of making hot takes. I don't believe... There are a lot of takes that I have in the past that I no longer believe in, but there are no takes that I made at the time that I did not believe in. I've always believed in the product that I was putting out at the time that I put it out, even if I don't anymore. These guys make takes for the sake of getting viewership on their shows, getting more Twitter followers, building their career, making more money. Yeah, that's because takes they say currency. ridiculous. They say ridiculous shit, and their pockets get wider because of saying ridiculous shit. Skip Bayless has built a career off of bashing LeBron. Do you really think Skip Bayless thinks LeBron is this fucking bad? Or is he building his career off of that? The man makes millions of dollars to do what everyone else on Twitter does and says, holy fucking LeBron's terrible, blah, blah, blah. He's not a top five player of all time. Give me a fucking break. He does not believe that, but his wallet believes that. I guess the the secret sauce is that Skip has been doing this sort of thing for, you know, since before Twitter. <laughs> He's the godfather right. of it, of making bullshit takes for the sake of, you know, gain. Both monetary and popularity and career, all that shit. Yeah. I guess uh, when I watched your video about it, there was just a one line in there. I don't remember what it is. But you basically dissected a statement by Skip or someone else where you said, like, this means that uh, he literally believes this, this, and this. And there is um, one that I do remember in particular where you're talking about the famous Colin Cowherd top 10 where he put Clay Thompson in there oh and said God. that he's a D-Wade with a better jump shot and another three inches. Um, you should probably so, clarify that means height. Right. <laughs> three <laughs> inches in, in, in height. <laughs> Again, this is a family-friendly show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... um. See, when I hear Colin Cowherd say that, I I guess I'm just a little bit too kind. I want to be charitable in how I hear out the argument. How are you kind though, to Colin Cowherd? Because I, I hear the sentiment, and I, and I don't take it literally. That's how. I trust that his word is literally not what he means. <laughs> that he oh, means something okay. else. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell who's worse between him or Nick Wright. 
Yeah, Nick like, Wright is like a whole nother breed of worse because uh, there are times where like he can make a borderline logical argument and then just take a way big left turn and like go for the home run swing of the take and just soil it. Yeah, Nick is the polar opposite of Skip Bayless. And at first, I had never thought that they had talked to each other. But, like, I was getting my hair cut a few months ago, and I fucking saw, at, because I go to sports clips because I'm a white guy, uh, I go to I go to sports clips, and I see him just sitting there on first take or whatever the fuck the show is called. They're all the same thing. Just a bunch of people sitting around a table jerking each other off. Uh, family friendly. And I saw them sitting next to each other, and I'm like, how are they not tearing their heads off? But then I was like, oh, yeah, they're both just arguing with each other to snicker, snicker behind doors, just laughing at the fact that they are making millions of dollars doing this. I make at best $1,000 a month. It's so like <laughs> I don't have as much. <laughs> pull. Well, at least you're there, it's an honest $1,000 a month, you know? It's yeah. A- I'd, I'd I'd take some lying millions, to be honest. <laughs> well, you know, you and most people, I like to think. We just don't have the opportunity to pull the trigger on being a fraud. <laughs> we're all we're all too wow, good. That was... Something in us just makes us want to be good for some reason. That's a that's a way oh, to put man. it. But I I like to give them the benefit yeah. the benefit of the doubt sometimes, just to like create a a really charitable argument. Lie to yourself. <laughs> yeah, just to torture myself. But I guess it's like an exercise, like a like most things in sports for other things in life where. It's like, I want to hear something that makes me cringe. It makes me scowl and scoff and say, this is awful. I'll be able to turn around and say, but let me think of the absolute most charitable version of this argument where I can almost be convinced, even though I know I can't be. And so I hear like Clay Thompson is a, is a three inch taller, uh, better shooter version of D Wade. I hear that he qualifies that statement with, uh, Clay Tomp, uh, D Wade was the best two guard in the league for a uh, long time. Uh, Cl- Clay Thompson, and goes on to say that I think that's the worst saying, part of the take. Is <laughs> right, he said D like Wade was the best shooting guard in the league for twelve years. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right, and so I hear him say that, and I think he's basically posturing uh, Clay Thompson in D Wade's position in the league as the best two guard, not so much At- his game plus this. Because that yeah, would be yeah, the yeah. worst argument. At the same time, um, well, that the problem with that, it's not. That's the only thing they have in common is really position and defense. And the problem with that is saying he is D Wade, but three inches taller and a better shooter, implies that D Wade is less of a player in his prime than Clay Thompson is. That's the problem with that. Because he's saying he is Dwayne Wade plus two things that are an improvement. So the logical conclusion to that apparently is he is better. Right. And that's like one interpretation of the subtext 100% for sure. And I think most people would get that message. But at the same time, we're indulging in exactly what he wants us to do. We're sitting here fucking bickering exactly. about this and stuff. and that's the best part <laughs> about it, is that it it rivets us. It gets us in this engaged discourse mode where we're like, all right, we have to sort Even this out. Even when I know what they're doing, I'm still fucking doing it. 
I don't watch their shows yeah, though. Either. I don't even have cable, so <laughs> but, you know, I But you know, that video got like 120,000 views. Bunch of people have seen it. Those guys got more exposure because I was talking shit about their bad takes, which is what they want me to do. Hey, uh, my head hurts. Expose them to <laughs> 120,000 faces, which probably already heard of them at least in some capacity. You may have been able to uh, convince some of those 120,000 people not to tune into their bullshit. Uh, but I think they do serve a, a purpose. And if people want to be entertained by it, then let them. Um, if people want to parrot off those bad arguments from these hot takesmen, then let them. And then just let the more rational sports fans come and uh, you know engage in the discourse and take them down with logic and, and reason. <laughs> logic and reason doesn't win. Um, yeah. Logic one and of my reason f- might not even exist. One of my favorite ways to gauge where people feel, like how people feel about LeBron, is who do they like more, Nick Wright or Skip Bayless? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I feel like you could reverse engineer that too and figure out how they feel about Nick Wright and Skip Bayless by asking them about their feelings. How they feel about LeBron James, yeah. <laughs> like, I I mean, you can like LeBron without, without you know, liking Nick Wright deep-throating the guy. <laughs> <laughs> the old bronze sexual. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hate that shit. Those names that they give, yeah, but, I mean, fair. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, it's funny because in that video and in the comments, there are so many people that are like, uh, Skip Bayless isn't that bad or, uh, Nick Wright is actually pretty decent. And I'm like, wow. Okay. And I had a guy like Skip Bayless was completely right. LeBron James is not a top five player. I think, I mean, you talked with Emio on this phrase that you don't know basketball, but if you don't think that LeBron is a top five player of all time at this point, uh, you clearly don't know basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. That's the that's the question I wanted. That's the question I wanted to pose to you, and I, I'm going to pose it to him as well. Is there has to be some people that don't know basketball? I talk to them all the time, <laughs> and I don't use that phrase because Emio has made it impossible to use that phrase now, because then I just sound like a douchebag. Thanks for that. <laughs> but I've also had people tell me I don't know basketball, so I don't know. But there, there's some people that just don't. Like, I've heard people say Jerry West was a better point guard than Magic Johnson. And I'm like, you don't know basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like when you engage in a in the you don't know basketball or the you clearly don't know basketball um, type of conversation, uh, it sort of has this built-in premise of, I am coming at you to prove that you're wrong. And uh, it doesn't allow for the uh, even the slightest chance that the other person is right. And so when the other person is only going to be proven wrong based on the messaging that the other person is putting forth, they're not going to engage in that conversation. They're not going to listen. They're not going to learn. And I have so, whipped out that phrase a few times. Not not any times after him pointing out that phrase in his videos, but in the before times, um, I just made that sound like it was 
and the, in the before times, times. In the before times, yeah. But um, before basketball, when there was only balls and baskets, we would never put them together. Yeah, that sounds oddly sexual. Um, <laughs> there's been enough innuendo. You're already whipping shit out, and yeah, yeah, about length. <laughs> um. Shit. Uh, I've used the phrase a few times, but I always indulged in conversation with the person first. The only time that the phrase seriously annoys me is when the first reply to the person's message is, you don't know basketball. Like, at least indulge the guy and ask him why he he's saying what he's saying before, you know, just saying, you don't know what you're talking about. Right, and that's the right thing to do. But I feel like eighty percent of the time that uh, the old but after ICDKB I, gets dealt is on that first reply. I know, but like after I have talked to a guy for forty straight tweets, and he still refuses to agree with me, which ironically I'm doing the same shit because I'm not agreeing with him. We're both being stubborn, but because he's not doing it, he's the stubborn one. <laughs> because of that. At a certain point, I just get tired, and I'm like, fuck it, you don't know basketball. Now I just don't reply anymore. Now I'm just like, whatever. Clearly, we're both not going to agree with each other. I'm not talking about it anymore. <laughs> well, if you want to hunt down Rusty on Twitter and try to force him to reply to you and to change his opinion, you could uh, do so on Twitter. Uh, what's your handle again? If you Rusty Buckets 321. Rusty is with a capital R and Buckets is all caps. Although oh, yeah. I can't imagine there are any other Rusty Buckets 321s, so I don't know if the <laughs> caps matter. Nah, I don't think they do. I feel like caps only matter in passwords these days and uh, and URLs. Hmm. But uh, let's let's get into this a little bit. Tell me about um how your basketball fandom began. And uh, especially how that's tied to your your Bulls fandom. This is a this is a safe space for Bulls fans like yourself, where you can vent and and cry about. Even if you if you need to cry, you can. Um, I'm good. You can I'm not do whatever cry. you need to in this space. This is a Bulls safe space. Go ahead and and vent out all of your Bulls frustrations. Uh, do you want me to talk about why I became a fan first, or do you want to? Just- yeah, yell let's start with yell that. Yell into uh, the mic. Let's let's get chronological. Let's start with the good times. You know how you become a fan, and eventually get into the sour, um, bitter times that is living. I still haven't today. bothered figuring out which game it was, but in a series versus the Brooklyn Nets in 2013, Derek Rose. It might have been 2012. I think it was. Yeah, because it was. Uh, the season after he had torn his ACL, and he and he had been uh, out for the entire season. Nate Robinson was the starting point guard, and because of this moment that I'm about to tell you about, he will always be one of my top five favorite players of all time. Uh, in that game, Nate Robinson, actually, I'm gonna look it up because I want to be precise. Nate Robinson went absolutely off against the Brooklyn Nets. And this wasn't the first NBA game I'd ever watched. And I was a huge fan of basketball. Like, I enjoyed playing it. But I wasn't a fan of the NBA. The only um, NBA that I had watched was Kobe highlights because I wanted to copy his moves. 
So in round one, game four against the Brooklyn Nets, Nate Robinson had 34 points and hit the game winner in overtime. And that game winner was like a 20-foot floater. And the man just pulled up like he didn't give a shit about anything. And it was buckets. And I screamed at my TV in excitement. And it was just an amazing sports moment. Now, prior to that, I was a football fan, and specifically an Alabama football fan. And before people boo me, I was born in Alabama, so I have an excuse. Road time. But I became a Bulls fan because of that game. Uh, I hate everyone from Alabama, but I love Alabama, so I have an odd situation with that when I come across other Alabama fans. Because I very much hate many things about the South, but I've lived here my entire life and I hate the cold, so probably not going to leave. But uh, yeah, I was a football fan and I was a football super fan and I really wanted to be a football player before that, even though I had indulged in basketball. But in that game, I was like, oh shit, I really, uh, I should be playing basketball. And that was, I was on the basketball team because I failed to make the football team because I was butterfingers as I said before but um but I was I was a bench jockey for my first year so it didn't matter but uh that gave me a passion for basketball and uh I keep referencing MEO on your podcast you had with him but whatever I'm gonna do it again because he was talking about coaches it reminded me of my seventh grade coach he was an absolute dickhead who hated me because i i was six foot one in seventh grade uh which i was the tallest guy on any team in our entire division by a mile and i played like a guard like i shot threes didn't know how to rebound couldn't block a shot to save my life so i played like a guard and he's like dude what the fuck play center get in the paint grab rebounds and i was like nah fam i'm gonna shoot these threes and he's like all right well you're gonna sit on the bench <laughs> yeah yeah that's the way it goes sometimes coaches are idiots next year i had a different coach who liked that i was you know i could shoot the ball so he let me yeah that's kind of unbelievable that uh, the coach would say no to a scorer but i've seen it happen you know, I mean, once in the past. he was the typical hard-ass fundamental guy where he's like, if you're not going to rebound and play defense, you're not going to play. I'm like, whatever, dickhead. Yeah, you're old Jim Boylan, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's where I get that from. My my favorite line in that fucking video I did is that Jim Boylan is a, is a, a hard-ass, but he's also a pushover at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's quite the enigma, especially for an NBA head coach. Yeah. So that's how I became a fan. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about Bulls fans in general? Like as a as a community, you're a, you're, you're Bulls uh, fans. I uh, can't you, stand you Bulls fans. <laughs> uh, and maybe it's um, because I come from a unique angle where I have not seen a good day. <laughs> I've seen okay days, but I haven't seen a good day in Bulls history. Was born in 2000, so obviously I didn't see any of the MJ years. Um, even if I had seen them, I might have, I could have seen them on the Wizards, but I would have been two. Um, so I didn't enjoy those years. And then I became a fan the season that Derrick Rose 
season after where Derrick Rose was recovering from his ACL tear. So I have not seen a good Bulls team in my lifetime. But I think I come from a point of view where I am used to not being that good. So I can tolerate it more. There are so many Bulls fans who are so entitled from those 90s days that they act like, you know, having the greatest player of all time, or depending on how you feel about it, one of the greatest players of all time, and having one of the greatest teams and winning six championships in eight years, they're still like, why aren't we winning championships now? Like, they're so stubborn and so spoiled with winning from the 90s that anything that doesn't even slightly resemble it, they're just, I guess, dickheads about it. Um, and I was very much in the Fire Garpax boat uh, when I first got into it. And you know why? Because I first didn't understand basketball when I first got into it. So I didn't understand entirely what was going on behind the scenes. I just heard a bunch of people yelling and I knew we sucked. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll hop on this train. Um, are Gar Packs a good front office? No, they're not. Not even slightly. Uh, well, maybe slightly for Paxson. The thing with me is they have been on a hot streak. They have made good move after good move, starting with the Butler trade. To me, they've made great moves with that till now. And there are still people every five seconds like fire guard packs because a rebuilding team in year two isn't winning championships yet. Right. They're definitely in the rebuilding mode and fans do normally have to tough it out. I think there's a, a lot of fun in embracing a tanking team. I mean, you saw it in Philly with uh, the whole process. I mean, I've had more fun with this team in the last two years than I did in the three three or four years prior to that of being a mediocre trash heap. Right. Like, there's fun in seeing these young guys develop. I'm watching Lori Markinen this year. He's gone from 15 or like 14-something points per game to 18 points per game, and he's being more aggressive offensively. I watched Zach Levine this year. He's become a great scorer. Who's apparently on the um, trade market. Wendell Carter Jr. has been a good rookie. He was, but I, I didn't think that was a serious thing. I thought they were just like, eh, let's see what we could get. Because there is some questions about his fit with Markkinen, who is clearly the best player on this team right now. Yeah. But um, Zach has you know, gotten the touches of the best player on the right. team. Plus, Laurie's been hurt. Uh, not... Presently, but in the beginning. He's only played 33 games right. this year. So, still working his way in. Y'all have a really young, good front court. A lot of potential there. I could see y'all actually being a pretty good team in a couple of years. Yeah, but people don't. That's the thing with Bulls fans is they don't want to wait a couple of years. They want now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I Maybe it's something about Chicago, but. So many Bulls fans were like, trade Lori, Wendell, Zach, and Chris all for Anthony Davis. And I'm like, are you stupid? You're trading your entire young core for Anthony Davis, who is going to leave. If you trade that entire team, you have nothing except Anthony Davis and like one or two okay players. You know what that team sounds like? The New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> the team he's trying to avoid being on right now. 
It's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But you gotta admit, having Anthony Davis in Chicago would be very exciting if not only for a season and a half. More exciting than Zach Levine. Yeah, and then then it'd be depressing because we'd be in a worse situation than we started off this rebuild. Because we started off this rebuild with three good assets off of the jump. You know, most rebuilds do not start off like that. Right, you normally you start get maybe zero. one extra draft pick. The the Sixers got Nerlens Noel out of Drew Holiday. That was the start of their rebuild. They didn't get jack shit besides for that. Right. Nerlens turned into a fake first round pick. Jaleel Okafer turned into a negative <laughs> uh, second round pick. And Trevor Booker. I mean, rebuilds have bumpy roads ahead but you know sometimes you turn into the Celtics and this where you one, barely even have to lose to rebuild and this rebuild has been smooth sailing like there has not been a really negative bump in the road since trading Jimmy Butler things have only seemed to improve besides for Jim Boylan being hired but I don't think that move really matters in the present. And I don't think he'll be here long term, nor does really anybody. So it shouldn't matter. Just like the Jabari Parker signing looked bad on paper, but we were able to trade him for Otto Porter Jr., which I think was an okay trade. But if Jabari Parker wasn't making $20 million a year, he would n- we would not have been able to complete that trade. Right. So are you sad to see Bobby Portis go at all? No. Oh, wait. Did you say it was sad? Yeah. Are you sad to see Bobby Portis go? He's a talented I heard that as excited. (laughs) I heard that as excited. It was like, no, what do you mean excited? (laughs) No, I'm very sad to see Bobby go. He was my third favorite player. He might have been my second favorite player on the team. So I was, I nearly cried. Not even kidding. But even though Otto Porter Jr. is overpaid, what Paxson said, I agree with. I don't know if, what the direct quote was, but he said something along the lines of, we're not a free agency destination, so might as well get a solid piece that is overpaid, but still good. You might as well just deal with the consequences of that, because it's not like Kevin Durant's coming this summer. Right. And Otto Even though I made a, a really shitty video on that. Has value on the market. I, that's the thing that I tweeted about this. Maybe you saw it. I hate when people see a guy who's overpaid and go, he's a bum. Because they look at the pay grade and go, well, that's not a $28 million a year player. And that's correct. But not being a $28 million a year player doesn't make you a bad player. Otto Porter Jr. is overpaid by about $10 million a year. That means he's still an $18 million a year level player. He's still a damn good sharpshooter. He's still a good defender. He's a somewhat good shot creator. He fits well into any offense. I think this offense in particular, he could average like 18 to 20 points because one thing that Jim Boylan knows how to do is he knows how to get shooters open. He knows how to use shooters properly. Laurie Markkinen shot like four threes a game under Fred Hoidberg, and he's been shooting like seven or eight a game under Boylan. So clearly that's the one positive with Boylan is he has embraced three-point shooting, and he knows how to do it correctly. I think Otto Porter, the same thing. I think 
I don't know what his attempts were in Washington, but from what I saw from other Wizards fans was that he wasn't really being used to his full potential, and I think the Bulls could use him like that. I don't think it was a bad trade. I'm very sad to see Bobby Portis go, though. Yeah, I would definitely rate that trade pretty highly for the Bulls. And uh, for the Wizards, it's really not that special, but we're talking about the Bulls right now, so... No, I disagree. Bobby Portis is their long-term starting power forward, and I fully believe the guy has star potential. Bobby Portis uh, definitely can get a mean look in his eyes sometime. He he is the guy who cracked open Nikola Mirotic's face or whatever. So, which I was happy about because I hated Nico. Still do. <laughs> what's what's wrong with Nico? Uh, he was bad when we were trying to be good, and he was good when we were trying to be bad. So basically, he fucked up everything that I wanted. So I hate That's him. It's perfect. It's basically like a almost a little bit like Jimmy on the Timberwolves. How did you feel about Jimmy when he got traded? Which time? <laughs> the from the I guess both. Let's see if there's a any contrast there. Uh, the second time he got traded, like to the Sixers, I was still in defense of him. And then the rumors came out that he was having issues in the locker room again. And I was like, all right, there's clearly something going on here, even though those seem to have mellowed out. But, um, when he got traded from the Bulls, I was ready for it to happen. He was my favorite player but I knew it was for the best of the team. Jimmy is probably, at best, the second best player on a championship team, and we were not going to win anything with him as our focal piece. So um, I was sad to see him go, but I'm also rational, and I knew that it was the right move. And I was very happy with the trade package we got. Yeah, y'all got a nice return for him. It turned out to be... Laurie, Zach, and Chris Dunn, for the most part. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we also gave them the 16th pick, which kind of pissed me off. Yeah, it was like, y'all didn't, like didn't really need to do that, but, like, would you have... Uh... We didn't, but we did. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe you could just say you paid the we. 16th pick. I'm trying to I'm trying to stop doing that. Yeah, that's a, I think that's Saying something that Emmy pointed out in one of his videos, that fans tend to associate themselves with a team. I know it's wrong. I know it's wrong, but I still do it. I, I think it's fun and harmless. I don't think it's even wrong. I'm cool with wrapping it here if you are, unless you have anything else you want to dig into. We did want to talk about the trade deadline. Oh, right? uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's get a little bit more into your feelings about the trade deadline in general. Um, not even just the uh, the Bulls side of things, but a little bit of everything. You're you're not just a Bulls guy. You're you're an everything guy. I think even more than being a Bulls guy, at least from what I can tell. I care more about the NBA as a whole than I do the Bulls, yeah. which I sometimes struggle with that. Where like I'm like, damn, the Celtics look really good in the future. I love Jason Tatum. I love Kyrie Irving, and I'm like, oh shit, this is gonna be our rival in a few years. <laughs> See. They're going to be the team to beat, and we're going to be, yeah. yeah. So it's like I'm watching these teams build up, and I'm like, damn, that's a really fun team. But at the same time, my team's fucking struggling with this. <laughs> yeah, That's why I just got to isolate your uh, your hatred for other teams to when they're playing your team. Otherwise, it's, it's all I don't life. hate any teams. There's no teams that I hate, and there are very, very few players that I hate. So that means that there are some. Who who are they? Uh, Nico Miritich. Right, right. 
Okay. Now that now that can you hear that talking in the background? No. Okay. Good. Uh, Nika Miritich, Zaza Pachulia. I don't know. I don't think that needs explaining. Right. Basically, any player who is dirty. Uh, I can't. I always struggle with Patrick Beverly, because as a someone who loves role players, I have to like him, because he's an amazing defender and a great shooter and a good playmaker. But I hate, even though I think he really is a tough guy. I think he does that tough guy routine and tries it way too hard. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, like remember when Stephen Curry flexed on him and he just pushed the ball away and got up on his face? I'm like, just, just don't be a little bitch. That's, that's what, that's what it is to me. If you're faking being tough or like getting all on someone's face for no reason, that doesn't make you tough. That makes you a bitch. Now, don't tell Patrick Beverly that I called him a bitch. Because he would kick my ass, but <laughs> oh, I won't pass the memo. But that 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 fake tough guy thing annoys me, and I think very most of the time it is real with him. But when it is fake, it's apparent and it annoys me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a uh, it's definitely obvious. I mean, anytime it happens on the court, it's basically automatically fake because you know these guys aren't going to put their profession at risk. Uh, as an instigator, I think fake is. I think I, I think Beverly is actually insane. So most of it, I think, is real with him. <laughs> well, um, I really don't like Draymond Green because he talks like he's the best player in the world when in reality he's a okay role player that became amazing in the Warrior system. Uh, I tweeted, "There's an there's another hot take for you that you're asking." <laughs> I tweeted that you could replace Draymond Green with PJ Tucker and I think the Warriors wouldn't be any worse for it. Wow, that's that is a super hot take. That's super hot. I think they'd be take. I think they'd be I think they'd be a better I don't I I think they'd be a better scoring team if they replaced Draymond with PJ cuz PJ is a much better uh shooter uh and I do not think Draymond is really that good of a passer. I think the Warriors offense puts him in a position to throw the ball to an open Klay Thompson or an open Steph Curry, and then they make the three. And they're like, wow, Draymond averages like six or seven assists as a power forward. He's such a great passer. And I'm like, I could average like four if I was in that situation. (laughs) Yeah. I uh, I agree with you a little bit on that on that. I mean, like I love Draymond. I'm I'm typically a Draymond apologist more than anything else. But this season, it's I I, I don't me. I have no no negative things to say about the man's defense, but his offense is overrated for the things that he does provide. And I think how trash of a shooter he is really hurts their offense a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so with that, I think uh, we're going to wrap this puppy up and uh, put it to bed and uh, let, it, let it go to sleep in the night with with peace. You can uh, no stop this anytime, please. Just <laughs> <laughs> make the suffering end. It's uh, just needs to be swift. Honestly, I'd kind of like to drag out the endings and uh, make my listeners suffer. It was a nice little bit that I did at the end of my, uh, my last collaboration where I interviewed zach uh about his grizzlies fandom i uh sort of just did a whole 90 seconds of time wasting where 
within the time wasting, I was talking about how much I value. And right, you're doing it time. right now. Right, right. This is the bit. So, any, anything you want to get out here while we're at the end? Uh, to the five people watching this who aren't subscribed to my YouTube channel, fix that shit. Uh, besides for that, uh, if you are coming from my channel, check out Rudy's pod because it's good and he's doing exactly what I did years ago. He's trying to build something, uh, here with this podcast, so you should support him. Definitely check out the NBA Storyteller, uh, um pod that he did with them it is very interesting i've listened to it five times and yeah that's well that's all i got thank you that was very that was very selfless of you to to take your your moment of promotion and giving it to me on my show it was very 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 generous and i really yeah. really really appreciate it it's not that big of a deal but all right <laughs> <laughs>